This is a time of transformation. As old ways fall, men are called to rise, to heal our lives, grow strong, and transcend our limitations. In tribes around the world, drawing on the best of masculinity from all of time, a new day is beginning. This is the Renaissance of men. You are the Renaissance. Training, body lifting, bodybuilding, coupled with a martial art of some, some fashion, gives a man options, multiple options, um, in a given threat situation. One of them being, you know, sheer presence, sheer size. Um, if the opponent or uh, bad guy is not inhibited by illegal drugs or anything else, you know, what rational person would want to pick a fight with a guy twice his size, right. especially in muscle mass? Being said, if he's trained in martial arts, not the bad guy, he has options as well. I could just knock him out or I could, you know, do a, a joint lock and just push him away and, and mm -hmm. make him, you know, rethink their situation or rethink their choices. So training provides options for almost any given situation. Hello, my name is Will Spencer and you're listening to the Renaissance of Men podcast. My guest this week is a man with a very particular set of skills. No, really. From being a paramedic to working SWAT meth lab bus and to weapons training, physical fitness, and martial arts, he's put together a portfolio of abilities that should be the envy of any man looking to become a more capable version of himself. But that's not all there is to my guest. He's a husband, five-time father, artist, philosopher, public speaker, and a man of deep and abiding faith. And that man's name is Mr. Swift. And in this fascinating conversation, we discuss his history as a paramedic and at multiple levels of law enforcement and how he evolved into the respected mentor and leader of men he is today. We also discuss his perspectives on religion and how his faith shows up in all aspects of his life, including how it applies to the moral application of violence toward the defense of ourselves, our families, and even our nations. He shares his family lineage of warriors and some of the challenges he faces with passing on his family's traditions and values in today's political climate. We also talk about the depths of what holistic masculinity means to him and his surprising artistic and creative hobbies, including the story behind his new garden club coming soon. Oh yeah, and we also talk about the time he tweeted about kicking his wife out of bed to make room for his girlfriend. For all his warrior prowess, Mr. Swift and I originally connected over poetry and our shared belief that being a man today entails finding a balance between those two activities and more. For men that come from very different backgrounds, he and I have more in common than they meet the eye. And when you hear what Mr. Swift has to say, I'm sure you'll probably feel the same. So I hope you enjoy this wide-ranging and provocative episode of the Renaissance of Men podcast with the eminent Mr. Swift. Mr. Swift, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. You're very welcome. I'm really excited to uh, to meet you. Uh, you've definitely cultivated uh, a, a specific air around you that I find to be very mysterious and very engaging and also provocative in, a, in, a, in an interesting way. So I, I just, I think my first question is if you can talk a little bit about your background. I was a paramedic for a number of years. Then I switched over to the law enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, after 9-11 and 
did about 20 years wearing a badge and decided to hang it up about five years ago. So law enforcement, paramedic, um, switched over and did another degree in business. Just finished that August. Now I'm in grad school uh, for another business degree. Um, in my time in law enforcement, uh, special teams, um, some task force, um, a lot of um, uh, meth lab busts before the cold medicine put behind the counter. Mm-hmm. Um, did some contracting for a while as well. Um, other than that, um, married, divorced, married again, finally, um, and a father of five. So in your, in your profiles, you talk a lot about, um, your proficiency with weapons, uh, firearms and, and edge weapons. When did that, when did that start for you? And I'm curious because I think that there probably couldn't be two men that have a more different background than you and I, I have no experience. <laughs> Well, I think it's, I think that's one of the really fantastic things is that we can take such totally different paths and still end up having a conversation with each other. You know, our lives didn't diverge that far, apparently. Oh, right, right, right. Um, so I grew up in the South mm-hmm. on a ranch. Um, also, my mom and dad are, um, had built and ran and operated a long-term uh, care nursing facility as well as having the ranch as well. So growing up on the ranch, had the country. Um, Knives were tools, guns were tools. So it was just part of every day. Like yourself and other people I've encountered, it seems that it's very different. But to me, it's just growing up, you know, shooting since I was five or six, you know, and not just shooting paper, but, you know, ending a life squirrels, rabbits, deer, other things, coyotes as well. So something that you, that you grew up with and you decided to carry forward into more of your, into more of your professional life, I guess you might say. Oh, yeah. Uh, my dad was a veteran. My grandfather's a veteran. So it was always there. And when did it kind of click for you? You said, well, I happen to have all these skills that the world seems to need today. Maybe I can bring them into my, maybe I can do it for a living, I guess you might say. I guess it was when I decided, will we switch over to law enforcement? And just, just to come out of the, just to come out of the paramedic world and to, to sort of flip over to the other side of the equation? I was asked to be their SWAT medic. So doing all those extra classes, certifications, I was an unarmed position. The guys there were of, again, I haven't told them all the time, I don't look my age. So the guys who were, who brought me on as their SWAT medic um, were some Vietnam vets, um, some Iraqi vets, you know, um, Desert Shield, Desert Storm, um, K4 for Kosovo, those guys um, as well. So, you know, when shit hits the storm or the fan and the storm hits, they're like, hey, you know, we know we know you. You've shot with us, too. So in case something ever truly happens, we're not too concerned if you just pick up and start helping, too. So it's gone from that way forward. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was an MP. Um, so he was always, you know, hey, you got to learn how to use this. You learn how to use that in case something happens. Not that he was a big prepper and never is, never was. I mean, just like, it's good to know, um, the family, um, lineage is pretty much all warriors anyway. So he's like, you should be able to know how to do anything and everything from knife to blade to sword, saber, um, to even a lance or a spear, um, pistols, rifle, shotguns, um, and then some long range shots. You grew up with all that growing up as a kid. Yes. That sounds like a lot of fun and also a lot of responsibility. A large amount of responsibility. 
I heard that you're also a father of five. Is that something you're passing along to your kids? I do my best. Um, again, so I'm raised in the South. I live in Colorado now. Since I've been in Colorado, it's it's changed from red to blue-ish. Um, not fully. Um, there's pockets here and there. My oldest son's 19. Um, he, I've taught him, um, you know, rifles and pistols and stuff like that. Um, not so much edge weapon stuff. Um, just because... I, I didn't feel at the time that he was ready for that um, to, I guess, kind of leak out here with his friends. Because um, again, I, I have to um, have the responsibility because of what my son might say or show off type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, to try to keep him, uh, you know, kind of under the radar a little bit. Um, but he does he does shoot um, for his 19th birthday. We actually just built him his own custom AR um, mm-hmm. rifle for carving um so he's he's there he's always shot um i took him competition shooting um from you know 13 up so yeah so i, I guess i would my daughter she likes knives um not just kitchen knives but you know throwing yeah. knives in the backyard and that type of stuff yeah. I, I i i laugh not at it but just oh my daughter she likes knives it's so it's yeah. so casual it's no it's fantastic i mean that's how it, that's how it should be right is right. you should be proficient or at least familiar or comfortable with these, with these tools, because we live, we live in a dark world, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and even my, my stepdaughters and my, my youngest son, they're, they're pretty cognizant, aware. Um, and it is casual, you know, they, they, they do, I let them play with my training knives. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they have fun and they know what's, what's here's and there's on that type of stuff. You know, knives hurt, knives can kill, knives can do this. Guns do this, guns do that. Um, it's all part of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and, um, you know, every now and then I get a call from a principal or a dean of students from a school and, hey, your, your kid said this. Well, did they say it at somebody? Was it a threat? Did you take it as a threat? Or, you know, your kid was in a fight. Okay, did they start it? They end it. Type <laughs> deals. And, you know, we got to go. By the time I get there, the dean's already watched the videos and goes, okay, you're right. You didn't see it, but you're right. They didn't start it. They just finished it. Oh. that's pretty powerful that you have that confidence in your kids to know that they're not going to start a fight, but they're right. probably going to finish it. Right. Actually, there was something that you said that you, you said that you come from uh, a, a line of warriors. Now that's your, that's your family heritage. And I think it's interesting that you come from this long line of warriors and now you have to be more careful about sharing warrior values with your kids in the political climate of, of Colorado. And that must be somewhat awkward. Yeah. Awkward is a nice word, way to put it. <laughs> it pisses me off. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. And you find that there are, there are times where there's something that you really want to teach your sons or, or your daughter. And it's like, mm, maybe I shouldn't do that. Or are, are they, are they aware that they're living in sort of a. They like, are. They're, 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 fu- they're fully aware of it. Uh-huh. Um, my daughter, my oldest daughter, she's, um, I don't know, the best way to say it. She's in her own cognitive dissonance between my house and my ex-wife's house. Um, so she'll come over and she'll be like, I can't believe mom's doing this or thinking this way. You know, she doesn't know nothing or whatever else. And, and it'd be like a, a right, a right idea or a, a left idea type thing. And, and so my daughter, and I, I don't, I don't bad mouth her, her mom cause it's her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just let her vent and go, okay, well, you know, everyone has their own opinion and your mom has her opinion and you have your own opinion, but you're still learning too. So let's just, you know, did you ask your mom why she thought that way now? 
and it's I think it's interesting we're talking on election day. Um, right. And you know, this is this is very real and very present for you and in some very important ways that are very valuable to your family. Like this is your family lineage to bring forward weapons training in a warrior attitude. And now you can't actually pass on that heritage to your kids because of the political climate that we're now sitting at the mountaintop of, I suppose. You oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's it's nuts. Um I mean, I was just talking to my father yesterday and he's like, I never would have ever thought that he was, he goes, I would never think I saw this in my lifetime. What specifically? Um, so right now my father, he finished reading the Harbinger series by Dan, I forgot his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so my father's pretty much right now. Um, so my father is a a post-millennialist so he thinks that the rapture will happen and then the bad stuff happens um, mm-hmm. from the second coming and i am too personally but my father is, you know we talk theology we talk family we talk money we talk this we talk that you know just like fathers and sons i guess they're supposed to mm-hmm. and again it's normal for me but when i talk to my friends they're like i would never talk to my dad that way or about that that topic or subject or whatever. so i i guess i feel blessed the way i am um, the way i was raised um but been talking to my father just the other day and he's like well two things will happen with this um he goes um you know if trump if trump wins you know that's god's giving us the earth the entire world you know a second or third chance to you know witness or or share or you know um kind of get the stuff in order um he said if biden wins then that's you know god's kind of pulled back and this is what you wanted. This is what you got. Of course, he goes, that's what Israel did and what happened to them many years ago. So he's like, if that's it, you know, maybe a decade or 20 years and then it'll be second coming. Um, wow. So the election's kind of kind of bigger for my my father. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, and then, of course, he's, he fully agrees with me. Um, and I've talked about it on, on I guess, on several podcasts and, and elsewise. So three things are going to happen, but it's too late now for the third one. So now two things are going to happen. But either way they are, the, the same result is, is coming. Mm-hmm. You know, Trump wins, the left riots. The Biden wins, the right's going to pop and do violence. Mm-hmm. No matter what it is, violence is coming. Do you think the left will actually riot? Because I think that, I think in a lot of cases, I, you know, so I used to be a leftist. I was part of Occupy. I left Occupy because I was absolutely opposed to violence. Because they were I, having, know, I heard. Yeah. I, I, someone, um, so my business work group uh, with Ivan Throne and his crew, I put it on my calendar for, for you and I to speak. And they're like, Hey, so he was with Occupy Wall Street. Da, da, da. And I'm like, okay, I, I don't really it doesn't oh, yeah. matter to me. It doesn't really matter to me. I mean, we're all, we're all humans. We're all men. It's, yeah. Well, it's actually, it was a big part of my journey because right. I, I went through that world and I saw, you know, the leaders of Occupy were absolutely, many of them were absolutely mentally ill without a doubt. They were selfish, immature children. And, and I watched the, their own ideology play out in the ways that they're absolute total blind spots. And once, yeah. they, once they started talking about, once they started talking about you know, violence as a means to, to solve problems, I'm like, no, I'm absolutely opposed to that. Even property violence. I'm absolutely, that's, that's, didn't we learn anything from Gandhi? Didn't we learn anything from MLK? Wasn't that, didn't we all just kind of know that those were the guys to follow? And now... Yeah. So that was when I that was when I tried I tried so hard. There was actually a meeting on the streets of San Francisco as Occupy was really petering down, and there were two groups. And yeah. one was the group that was opposed to violence, but wasn't really a bunch of men who weren't really willing to stand up for it. And there was right. a, was a bunch of kids that wanted to, 
you know, do, do things violently. And I tried to, I was the guy, I was the, the hostage negotiator trying to do yeah. And things just fell apart at the last minute. And I just walked off and smashed my backpack on the ground and disappeared. And, and, and it's not something I want to be a part of. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, and that's actually, it's a reoccurring occurrence between groups when they, especially when their fracture happens and, you know, ones want to go one way and it was always the younger guys mm-hmm, um, sure. or the immature older guys mm-hmm. who want to do violence. I mean, cause I, I teach there's, there's violence. There's good violence. There's bad violence. Mm-hmm. There's always violence somewhere in the spectrum and people who choose to ignore it or just deny that it's there. Uh, those are usually the victims that, you know, we got to clean up later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's nuts. It is. It is. And I think it's, um, I, I remember I heard a talk a long time ago that distinguished between force versus violence. Um, mm-hmm. You know, violence is sort of, I, I guess, the way that this speaker framed it was that violence was sort of a non-consensual act, whereas force is, you're legitimate, you're, you're legitimized and you're used to use force to defend yourself. Violence may not necessarily be legitimate and that was how he drew the distinction but i was curious to ask you about about that because violence i don't wouldn't say that violence is your business but there is a component of violence to your business i guess oh yeah always 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 um so i i don't fully agree with that i mean force is force is just force Mm -hmm. you know just like you know gas in a car versus you know throwing gasoline on a um a brush pile it does the same thing it combusts you know, it's how it's controlled or contained or pointed. Mm-hmm. Violence, there's good violence, there's bad violence, no matter how it's done. Um, you know, uh, one of the easiest examples is, you know, it, it, people get little little antsy when I bring it up, but, you know, sex. Sex is good, okay, consensual sex. The good violence. Mm-hmm. Rape, rape, bad violence, bad sex. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, but it makes a lot of women uneasy too. When I bring it up, especially at the, at the law enforcement academies, when I teach, mm-hmm. hey, there's good violence, there's bad violence. Just like you know, money, guns, tools, knives, they don't have emotions. They're not. They don't have a soul. They don't have a. There's not. They're not malice, nor are they good. They're just a tool. Mm-hmm. It's it's the, it's in the hand of the user. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever heard that distinction before. That violence can be a tool that you can that can be wielded wisely or unwisely or skillfully or unskillfully oh, because yeah. the word violence is so charged with a moral judgment in our, in our society. I know, I know it is, but yeah, but when you break it down, you start helping people rationalize it. It, it like opens eyes and like, Oh my, Oh shit. You know, mm-hmm. you know, your car taking your kids to school or running somebody down. Right. All from the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, say it's it's just a tool. Well, it's interesting. So, so you're this is in a coaching scenario that you've gotten guys to realize this, or you've seen guys' eyes open, like, oh, I, I get it now. What just happened to me, in a way? Right. So, I used to teach the the firearm section at the at the police academy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, usually we'll get into it. Somebody will bring up, you know, um, uh, I don't want to say an uneducated. I want to say an un an unapplied, unthought out application of one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, mm-hmm. which is not translated right. well. Right, right. Thou shalt not murder. Mm-hmm. Um, because even the Old Testament, God commanded the death of, of civilizations. Uh, yeah, I remember reading about that. Like, right. No woman so again, yeah. yeah. So it, it's thou shalt not murder. And if you don't, I mean, again, it's my, my opinion, my, my study, my, my research. Um, I'm, I'm real big on... Um, 
sending people to the blueletterbible.com. Okay. You can actually um, access the original Greek that then translated to English to find the better context of it. And that's, that's one of the many ways when I study, you know, Bibles or the Bible and make sure I understand the full context of what was written. Because again, the Hebrew culture, even though it was in Greek is sometimes doesn't translate well to the English. Um, a lot, a lot gets missed, a lot overlooked. Um, mm. And sometimes context is lost. Oh, so I really recommend people if they double check me, go look, go look for yourself. And if you want to debate, I don't want to argue. I hate arguing because then people just get pissed off. Mm. But I mean, people want to debate about it. You know, I'll listen and, and we'll talk about it too. Um, but from my study and also talking to rabbis and priests and preachers, whatever else it's, it's thou shalt not murder, which is death for profit. And it's not always money's the profit, mm-hmm. you know, death for gain, death, death for personal gain. That's murder. Mm-hmm. That's a, I've never heard that definition before. I mean, that's the, that's actually very enlightening in a way to, because murder, killing, death, all these words get kind of mashed together and conflated and we don't have a good fine distinction to say what's the difference between killing and what's the difference between that and murder. Right. Mm. The same thing for love. I mean, English, I yeah. love the English language. Sometimes it gets really convoluted, <laughs> but yeah. also gets, you know, boiled down way too much love. You know, there's egos, you know, logos, um, the other ones, and then uh, agape. Yeah. yeah. So again, I like to go back to make sure I understand the Greek um, Greek language part, but even though it was the Hebrew culture. Mm-hmm. Have you, uh, of course, you probably read some C.S. Lewis because he has his book, The Four Loves, which I have on my bookshelf over here. Oh, yeah. I love C.S. Lewis. Oh, he's incredible. Oh, yeah. I read it. I read some it. of his books are, are very, very prevalent and needed right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. I think you're probably talking about, what is it? Um, I'm going to look on my bookshelf because I can't remember the name. Uh, the Abolition of Man. That's Abolition the- of Man. I yeah. also, for right now, I um, refer some of the younger guys who get real thirsty to mere Christianity. Yeah, of course. And his, his combination of all his speeches and lectures um, when the Department of Defense or Ministry of Defense asked him to speak mm-hmm. to all the young captains and stuff. Um, but yeah, those those two. And then for people who really want to understand spiritual warfare, the screw tape letters. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mere Christianity and the screw tape letters read back to back in that order is just incredibly powerful. Oh yeah. Actually I have on order right now the uh, space trilogy. So Oh, people say people say really good things about that series of books. Oh yeah. That was hit that and um uh Mr. Tolkien's um was it was it Lord of the Rings? Mm-hmm. No, it was his other one. Um was oh. their best they had to, they both had to flip a coin and they, one had to write a space book and one had to write a, a myth book. <laughs> Is that true? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine Tolkien having written a, written a space book. That just seems really strange. Oh, I know. I know. But yeah. Lord of the Rings is a really powerful, I mean, for many men as well, really powerful trilogy in, in my life as, a, as great examples of masculinity and the journey that men go on to become better warriors or magicians or, uh, you know, and, and, and transform society around them. Oh, yeah, very much so. And I, I don't think it's well appreciated just how devout of a Catholic that, that Tolkien was as well, because I don't know, right. that know today what a devout Catholic really looks like. Oh, yeah, it's, it's hard to do. So he worked on... He worked on Mr. Lewis for, what was it, four or five years? Um, because Mr. Lewis was a evangelical atheist. Like he 
fought and debated and would eviscerate somebody with, just with words uh, like, on their Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, but then um, Mr. Tolkien wrote a poem about C.S. Lewis's um, acceptance of the faith, of sex, acceptance of the grace of God, um, mm-hmm. while they went on a walk about 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, I forgot the name of the poem right now. Um, mm-hmm. It's a powerful poem, though. Again, I'm again right in the middle of grad school final stuff this week, so my head's kind of swimming. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. What 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 uh, what what degree are you getting right now? For grad? this one is the mole uh, master's of organizational leadership. Okay, and this is this is in Colorado. Or this is an online. Yes. it's an online Colorado school. Online. And so, what are you what are you learning in that? And I guess specifically, how are you applying it to what you're doing now professionally? This one right now is uh, group dynamics for teams. Okay. Well, pretty useful, I think. Yes. Yep. My first, uh, the first one class for this master's degree was, I think, leadership, um, an ethical leadership, something else. They make, again, school, they make the class really long name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you mentioned uh, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, and now you're talking about this organizational stuff. In one, in one of your, um, in one of the talks I listened to, you give, or in one of your interviews, you talk a lot about the need for masculine brotherhood. Oh, yes. How important that is. Just speak a little bit about that and in, in what you do. Sure. Um, so going from, um, oh, shoot, well, even right, right after high school, um, I still had two close friends. Um, talked to one even still today, and that was over 20 years ago from high school. Um, but brotherhood, uh, I mean, the, everyone jumps on the, the one uh, Bible verse, you know, as iron sharpens iron, another man sharpens another. Um, but it's not that simple. If you go back to the Greek again, um, it's hard. It's, it's friction, it's heat, it's pressure, it's accountability. It's also the full, um, and I, men hate saying this word, but it's full submission into that vulnerability with a friend, with a brother. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't allow that to occur, um, I mean, cause you can embrace it and still, you know, let it turn your stomach a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of, kind of along the lines of fake it till you make it mm-hmm. as well. Um, you can be vulnerable with somebody, um, that not, might not be a blood brother, but will be a brother again, brother from another mother type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that allows that accountability, um, that guidance, um, support and, um, just fun as well. I mean, cause it's not always serious the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not real big on flippant um, humor with guys. Um, you know, I'll, you know, I'll poke around with, with Ivan, um, you know, Zach, um, him and I poke around each other went through text, um, mm-hmm. Adam Smith as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got done talking with, well, not talking uh, verbally, but DMing uh, with Samuel Thorpe um, here, just here, just this week. Mm-hmm. So again, um, it's, it's good to have, um, friends who you don't mind allowing them to see you, which it, sometimes I have a, I have a hard time wrapping my, my mind around people who don't allow people to see themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so they keep that facade up. They keep that, 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 um, arm's length stuff away. Um, if I call you a friend, you know, then it, it it's, it's heavy. Um, it's heavier than most people are comfortable with, mm-hmm. um, type thing. Um, but, but truly, you know, 
sometimes I hate the old um, analogies or, or words, you know, no, no man can be an island. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can, but you suffer just like a real island, you know, logistics, where you suffer a little bit. If you got to figure it out or you die. Mm-hmm. Um, but for men to go forward, you really can't do it solely and you and should never put certain um, added responsibilities onto a wife or a girlfriend because they can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, but men need men um, for that, that growth part. Um, I just got done teaching a class last weekend uh, up in Breckenridge, a bunch of war room guys. Um, mm-hmm. I was a guest instructor. Mm-hmm. So those guys got it. I talked about it there as well, the brotherhood, you know, the, the weight of it, the benefits of it, and why it's really needed. Mm-hmm. So, Especially today. Because if you're, I remember I was in, a, I was in a, a Bible study group a couple of months ago, and the leader of the Bible study group said, um, uh, the enemy is creating a truth desert for us to get lost in so he can pick us off. Oh yeah, of course. It's easy. Yeah. Cause if you're alone, just like any herd deal, I mean, not that we're, we're herd, um, prey, but we are prey. Oh, for and sure. The moment you can separate something else, it makes it a whole lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam just sent me, um, a, an article on the demons use of technology um, mm-hmm. to keep people astray. Mm-hmm. Say more about that. Oh yeah. Oh, um, so well, the article, here, I'll put it real quick. Yeah. <laughs> The article was, where did it go? So demonic texts. Oh, wow. Is demonic texts. The enemies can use technology, says the exorcist. And it's in the Philippines. Um, this preacher, uh, Friar Jose Francisco Sicura, uh, he's the chief exorcist of the Archdiocese of Manila, who also says receiving messages from demons is an experience common to priests helping possessed persons liberate themselves. Mm-hmm. So the article just goes on and on. It gives a couple examples um, that um, he had a couple people who he was helping with did not speak English. The text he was receiving from their phones, whatever else was in plain English. Um, and again, it, people like to keep things separated, but technology, um, data, whatever else is all just energy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so demons, I guess, can manipulate it. Um, oh, sure. So, yeah, it's, um, and I've seen a, a little bit where, you know, lights will flicker and that type of stuff. You know, I don't want to rationalize it, but I also don't want to make sure people get, um, you know, scared of it type stuff. Well, there's something to be said in those moments when things get a little weird, what your first impression is. Because sometimes we can go, something strange can happen and we don't think anything of it. And then we go back later and we think, that was a little strange. I wonder if it was a demon. And yeah. I find that that's, that's, we can sometimes talk ourselves into that. But in the moment, if something strange happens and you have this immediate visceral sense, like, okay, that, that was super weird. That's right. be often very powerful. Oh, yes. Very much, very much so. When people don't want to believe that there are demons or spirit or, or malicious spirits that are active in the world today. I don't know how you can possibly not believe that looking around, but you know, right. Right. I, I don't know. I mean, again, the devil's best and greatest victory was convincing everyone he's not real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, truly it's, it's to me, the Bible's a Bible. It's, you know, it's God's, it's God's word. Um, but um, yeah, if it's in there, it's, it's, it's in there. Um, I don't, I, I truly don't believe in ghosts because once you die, you, without getting sucked into certain things. Um, 
you know, you're, you're, you're judged and sent somewhere. Um, the only thing that would real, uh, would be the, the, the cast down angels. Mm-hmm. Um, cause the Bible doesn't say that they their power was removed from them. They were just cast out. Mm, that's true. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a scary thought to kind of imagine. Oh, oh yeah. And just in the, the descriptions um, of angels themselves are, are, I mean, truly is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why almost everyone in the Bible fell down prostate laying all the way on the ground um, in fear of the presence of an angel. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, you're seeing something that, what did, what did I read once that the difference between the, the a human and an angel would be kind of like comparing a human being and a planet. Like you just can't even the, yeah. can't conceive of the scale. Wings with eyes, multiple wings, just power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, unreal. I can't even fathom it. Mm-hmm. Be not afraid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, I'll try. <laughs> yeah. So in your interview with, with, um, with George Bruno at the 21 uh, convention, I think it was last year, you mentioned that you talk about breaking down violence from a biblical wor- worldview. And one of the things that I see going on in this world of, of men's personal development right now is you have sort of the Christians and you have the barbarians, the people that are the men that are adopting this kind of Viking kind of look. And then there are men that are taking to a more Christian. And it seems like they've become allies in a very, in a very positive way. But certainly on the Christian side, there isn't a lot of guys talking about violence the barbarian side is runes and training in the forests and axes and stuff and it's great and i think it's you know i think it's fantastic because it empowers these men but the christian side seems very hesitant to start getting into notions of you know noble knighthood i guess you might say and i wonder you're the only person that i found that speaks so openly about it so i wonder if you could talk about that from your perspective yeah so you were able to listen to that interview pretty well i mean i stuttered quite a bit i was nervous a little bit um but I, i do have a lot going through my head and i make sure i i choose the right word yeah, yeah, oh, it's important. And you just come off stage too, you know. Yeah, I know, I know. And I, I felt bad. Uh, I actually crammed two speeches into one. That's why I went over my time there. But that's neither here nor there. I tried to get the audio from Anthony to listen, but he's been a bit busy. So. Oh, he's very busy. Holy crap! I just him and I just texted. I think three weeks ago, back and forth. But yeah, yeah. I it was two speeches into one, and it was very powerful because I had a lot of um, a lot of memories. Um, this some of that speech was based on conversations I've had with fallen comrades. So there was a lot of, a lot of pain involved with that speech. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, once I hit my stride, it came out okay. But until then I had to get over that um, loss of five good close friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, so my speech, <laughs> so my interview with George afterwards. Um, so Christianity, it, it gets pretty difficult. Again, I don't worry about stepping on people's toes and, and I, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Um, but I, I am what I am. God made me this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I make no apologies for that at all. Um, but violence is here. Violence is there. Violence has been here. Um, when God created the, the earth, it was spoken verbally and then action and creation happened. Some people will allow certain memories from youthful Sunday school classes. You know, the, 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 the flannel panel where you stick the deals up to do the Bible studies or stories. Mm -hmm. Um, But science says otherwise, you know, when the world was created, it was very violent. I mean, volcanoes and starbursts and, you know, just, it was, it was violent. Mm -hmm. And um, even bringing it to today, if someone were to walk out into 
you know, a hurricane or a tornado or a mountain storm, you know, that was created by, by God. You know, that's not peaceful. That's not nice. It's that's wind that'll flip a house upside down. That's, you know, the wind that will throw 60 foot waves, you know, two miles in inland. Mm-hmm. Um, that was created. That was part of it. That is part of it. It's all, he's all around us at all times to not embrace violence um, in his creation that we are a part of as well, um, I think is personally mm-hmm. is irresponsible of men. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the old saying, you know, the, the scorpion across the frog's back across the pond. Mm-hmm. You don't accept it. That's your own responsibility um, type thing. So when I study violence and I make sure that it stays within my biblical worldview, um, I go back to the monks of Malta. Okay. So those guys, it was, you wake up, you do your prayer, you have breakfast and you train. Mm-hmm. Um, then they do their little arts and their, 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 uh, their craft, um, whether it be um, banking or, or uh, accountability for the certain other banks. But they also trained. They trained violently. They trained hard. It was um, the physicians there. So some of the other islands um, and other continents would actually send physicians or, or student physicians to Malta to learn how to set bones. Wow. Um, so and, and you know stitch and that type of stuff as well. Because you know who else is violently training with each other, not to the point of death. Mm-hmm. So that's the best place to practice medicine or learn medicine. Um, yeah, I'll say. Right. So, and so the barbarians, um, or the, you know, um, that, that sect or niche or niche or whatever, I don't give a crap, um, are partnering with Christians or the Baptists or the Protestants or even the Catholics now um, because of what's going on in Europe. It's going to take a partnership. Um, to to resist, to counter, to push back. Um, another force that is being used um, against civilizations, mm-hmm. against countries um, that no one else wants to really name out loud. That's right. um, so that some people break it down quickly. You know, enemy, my enemy is my friend. It's, it's, it's deeper and it's broader than that. Um, mm, okay. Interesting. You know, the Druids, the, the, um, the pagans, if you will, from back in the day that led and, and um, litter um, the Viking histories and myths really, I mean, they were named that pagan because of why? Because mm-hmm. Christianity didn't like, oh, that, 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 that goes back... <laughs> That gets back into my thing in between faith and religion. Religion right. kills faith. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, the religious leaders, you know, oh, you're out of, that's not, that's not right. That's not Christian. That's what else. So we're, we're you know, you're pagan. Mm. Go pound sand. But <laughs> when, but when real faith, men of faith accept it, um, what's going to stop it? Can't. That's right. I mean, once you get going, because not just their faith, but they're also 
realize, see, observe, and orientate that if they don't act, their family's at risk. Mm-hmm. And then it's not just their family, it's also their community. If their community's at risk, then their country's at risk. Mm-hmm. And then if their country's at risk, their entire future, not of their individual future, but the future of their line, their country, their communities at risk. Mm-hmm. And then once you get men, and it doesn't matter, pagan, Christian, Catholic, um, Protestant, whatever else, get in line and they link arms and arms, who's going to stand against that? Not a lot. None. Yeah. None. Because then you would then you would cover your entire basis, you know, your physicians, your doctors, your military guys, your strategists, your bankers, your people who, who can think finance-wise, get all together, and then they organize. Oh, shit. What do you got then? You got a fucking unbeatable army. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of faith. Oh, yeah. And I don't care what you call God. He's still God. That's right. I yeah. mean, across the deal, um, my family also has some Native Americans side on in ours. Um, and my... Oh, Great, great, no, just two. Great, great uncle. He was um, the chief, one of the chiefs of his tribe. And at his funeral, his funeral was two days long. The first day was the Native American funeral. In tongue, all their stuff, um, all their ritual for that tribe. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't say it because then it would link to my real name. Anyways, so Mm -hmm. it would, um, full day of nothing but of Indian honors from my, my uncle who was a chief. Then the second day, only half the day, cause it's pretty quick was the Christian funeral. Cause he was a Christian. He was a devout Christian. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and it was in English and it was the, the Christian faith uh, funeral. And then day three and day four was nothing but celebration of his life. Mm-hmm. Cause he did a lot for the tribe. And he also did, <clears throat> excuse me. He, he did a ton also for, um, uh, philanthropy mm-hmm. um, through his church. So again, big deal. It's it's still in my family. Um, so it's it was, and I got to witness all that. You know, kind of really close firsthand um, as a boy. So it was it was nice. It was helped uh, concrete certain foundations um, that go throughout the family. And he was a great guy, anyways. Mm-hmm. So. So you have a lot of synthesis going on in your family. So you're synthesizing Christianity and violence. And you talk about your uncle synthesizing his Native American traditions with the Christian, with a Christian tradition, which I imagine would be quite difficult in some ways. Not so. So the tribe that that's my family's in, in um, was part of the, one of the, the seven civilized tribes. So there was still a lot of anger um, towards white people. And I, I don't blame them at all. Um, for the stupid shit with the Trail of Tears, the forced indoctrination in the, in the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. Um, again, so, I mean, I mean, I'm older, but I'm not that old. But that stuff, hearing firsthand the stories from people who went through that, mm-hmm. I mean, I got mad. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how fucking dare the Catholics force that upon them? They, and again, so... I step on toe. I just step on toe there. It's a guarantee someone heard that and they just go, fuck Swift. So no big deal. My toes are fine. So. Yeah, I don't really care. Um, but to hear that firsthand is, oh, it, it makes your heart bleed. Yeah. I mean, I felt bad. 
um, because the Christian faith I was raised into was not forced assimilation. It was lead by example. And if someone's curious, then you can tell them about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was part of it, um, which is why I'm not a Bible thumper. Um, you've got a question. If you don't like what I'm teaching, just like Bruce Lee, take what's, take what's useful for you and then get rid of the rest. Mm-hmm. Then for just get what I said about, you know, whatever verse I talked about in, in, a, in a class or a lecture. Um, but take the rest. If it's usable, use it. Mm-hmm. So it's... Um, yeah, it, but it makes you mad about yeah. everything that, that was endured, and it was endured um, by the tribes, oh, by the sure. nations. As part of, you know, my, my brand is the Renaissance of Men, so I've been reading a lot about the Renaissance and the corruption of the Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. It's oh, yeah. The, the depth of it and for how long it had its thumb over over the civilizations of, of Europe. Until oh, the, no. until the Italian merchant states essentially the 1400s are like, yeah, no more. And then yeah. the explosion of, of creativity it, it, came out of that. It happened. It happened. Yeah, I was speaking with a, a priest friend of mine. Um, I mean, devout. That, that that's his life, and he'll never change. Um, but uh, we, him and I, were talking one day. I go, and he even he, he's like, he goes, I can't say this out loud, but I can tell you, and you can say it, but just don't say my name. I'm like, okay. <laughs> He's like, he goes, anytime a religion gets that much power, bad things happen. Bad right. things come in and it's, it's brushed under the rug or it's, it's just, you know, turned a blind eye to because money comes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, his study of history as well um, was with the um, Catholic faith and the uh, Catholic Orthodox Church. Um, he's like, I, I, He's, it's what I was shows what I was brought into. It's what I was called to because I can never leave. But he goes, you know, just like anybody else's family, damn, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't believe that happened. And I wish it didn't happen, but it did. Mm-hmm. So we're going from there. Mm-hmm. I think this is, we're juggling a lot of my favorite topics, which is, you know, politics and spirituality and religion and faith. And now we're bringing in guns and bladed weapons. Oh, and yeah. I mean, this is the whole big mess of stuff that we're all trying to figure out as men these days, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then everyone's on, on Twitter like, you got to narrow it down to one thing. I'm like, I, I can't do that. That's no. not men. That's right. That's right. So. And that's how, that's how we originally started our conversation a few weeks ago. It was talking about holistic masculinity. And I, I, I wanted to actually to ask you to unpack that phrase, like what that means for you, because I have my definition of it. Oh. What does it mean for you? Holy cow. Holistic masculinity. Um so um, a friend of mine, Nick Lowry, so Ground Star Coffee, every now and then I'll put out on Twitter, I'll put, you know, the, the, the hashtag uh, tactical masculinity. And he's like, you can't put that on there. You're going to, you're, you know, segregate people. I'm like, I don't care anymore. Uh, you know, I love you, Nick, but I'm putting it anyways. You know, he'll just laugh. I'm like, okay. You know, um, but really um, keep your shit straight. I mean, have your life together, mm-hmm. health-wise, mentally. Um, you know, be a good father. It's, and that's a try every single day and multiple times a single day. Um, I did a tweet a while back and it, I started losing followers. And I don't know why. And, I, and honestly, I don't really, I don't care mm-hmm. um, about, you know, removing toxic people from your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I tagged two of my, my Twitter friends um, who talk about, you know, removing t- toxic people. And I go, everybody, they're like, yeah, everybody. And I go, how about kids? And they're like, well, that's not right. And then somebody jumps in and goes, 
well, if, if you're doing this, your kids are toxic, then you're the toxic one. I, I no, you don't understand. I'm divorced. My ex-wife, our divorce was not pretty. It was fucking bad. It was ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, probably about as ugly as, as Tanner's, um, mm-hmm. Guzzies. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she tried to ruin me a couple of times, but now, now we're more amicable. Anyways, <laughs> so, but my, my daughter comes over and she comes over and she will get into arguments. She'll bring drama from my ex over here. Yeah. Um, I can't get rid of them. For one, I mean, they're my, they're my kids. I will never get rid of them. So I have to deal with toxic personalities every now and then. Um, sometimes it gets, it's okay. Sometimes it's really bad. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just hard. So yeah, so be the father, um, best father you can um, every single day, multiple times a single day. Um, mine's, I think mine might be harder than others, but again, it's just my life and my life is the only one that matters to me. Um, knowledge and not just, you know, um, Instagram knowledge, Twitter knowledge, whatever, like real knowledge. Um, like, you know, when I first messaged you, I'm like, Hey, thanks God you're putting poetry out, Matt, you know, men poetry. Mm-hmm. I love poetry. Um, I was just reading some death poems this week, uh, from Samurai. So, yeah, um, oh yeah. Um, learn something new. Um, you know, I learned Spanish. I do some other stuff like that. I try to play a musical instrument, um, a harmonica. I'm not good at it. It counts. It's just, yeah, it's just something to do. Um, I practice calligraphy. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so a, an art, um, you know, um, also, you know, maintain your, your physical shape. Um, Zach always goes, can you carry your kid a hundred yards? If they fall and break your knee or something like that. Can you do some first aid? That's a knowledge skill base. Mm-hmm. Um, reach out, be a friend, mm-hmm. you know, um, Pick and truly, I mean, pick a faith. Uh, my first option is Christianity, um, but pick something that's bigger than yourself and get into it. Um, again, the only other religion that I know that does not directly count, um, conflict with Christianity is Buddhism, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, um, you know, date your wife, mm-hmm. you know, keep her on her toes too. Um, Take care of your house. Take care of your finances. Have them in order. Don't be, you know, don't be slothful. Um, and then train and then teach. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, because that's the, that's the way and the only way I know to be the best student of a certain subject is teach that subject. Mm-hmm. Whether it be a Bible uh, class to kids, you're going to know those Bible verses pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, I did with firearms and, and knives and something like that. I started teaching. I learned more and more by teaching. Um, always be a student of life um, and be in the moment and seek out and still be delightful and joy and find beauty in everything. I mean, it's harder today than it was during the Renaissance to be a man. I think so. There's less, there's more political pressure against actually describing what that is, I would say. Yeah. More political pressure, more freaking distractions at the ass. I don't watch TV. Mm-hmm. I choose to not watch TV. Um, I'll watch a movie with my wife every now and then, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't watch, we don't watch TV in this house. Uh, there'll be, you know, movies or whatever else. Um, video games are limited to an hour per day. So mm-hmm. I have the kids break in half, um, but we don't watch TV. Mm-hmm. So I try to limit those distractions. Um, I'm, I have Facebook, but I'm barely on Facebook ever. 
Um, I'm barely on Twitter right now just because of how busy I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm working on a deal with a guy. He's going to take over my Instagram page. So mm-hmm. more, better pictures can come out because I am slow to get stuff uploaded just because mm-hmm. I am so freaking busy. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, um, it, it's hard. I mean, because each, each man's different. So to to label or to list what it is to be a holistic man is very hard. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah. Can I play? Basically, you just want to be a you want to be a, a big boy scout. <laughs> yeah, basically. You know, because I mean, because it, it, yeah, yeah, because it, yeah. And I think when I was in elementary school, uh, I had a teacher tell me one time. He goes, "Would you rather know a little bit about a lot or a lot about a little bit?" And my again, my response was, "I want to know a lot about a lot." <laughs> I negate your question. Yeah. Yeah. So again, so I, I've medicine, emergency medicine, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll clarify that even better. Um, and the use of violence, whether it be a gun, knife, or something else, um, and how to get into places. Um, you know, explosive breaching, manual breaching, mechanical breaching, um, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then being a father, I learned everything today. I have a mentor, my father. Um, so yeah, so mentors are great, friends are great, and uh, brotherhoods are phenomenal. Hi everyone, sorry to interrupt the conversation. I hope you're enjoying my chat with Mr. Swift. This is just a quick reminder to follow me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at Ren of Men, that's R-E-N-O-F-M-E-N, like Renaissance of Men, but shorter, Ren of Men. You can also find me on Twitter at Will underscore Ren of Men. And if you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating and review, that'll help this podcast reach more people. We've got some really exciting guests coming up who I think you're going to love, including some new names you might not have heard before. So please be sure to subscribe or give us a follow. Thanks so much. And now let's get back to my conversation with Mr. Swift. So I want to play devil's advocate for just a second, quote unquote, so that you listed a lot of things, all of which personally that I agree with. And I think those are all aspects of, of holistic masculinity, um, especially the spiritual faith component, because that's kind of the pillar that it all hangs on when you're, you've got it all going. Like there's got to be something larger than yourself that you're connected to. And also the earth as well. You know, the earth is the, the ground that we stand on and there's the sky above. And the, the, between those two, we, we stand between those two. But for a man listening to all that, it's like, wow, that actually sounds like a lot to do maybe I'll just play video games or maybe I'll just, you know, blank out on Facebook all day. Like, what do you say? What do you say to a man like that? It depends on how the connection was made. Mm -hmm. If someone reaches out to me, they're already fishing. They're already curious. They're already. So then I can. So I said this one time to to Zach, I go, look, I'm not a baker. I don't sugarcoat shit. Um, so if somebody's asking me questions, that's a, you know, that's a lot to do in a day. I go with, actually, truly, mine's not all done in a single day. Mm-hmm. But I do calligraphy Tuesday, Thursdays. Okay. Um, I do my Bible study every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, I work out five days a week. Uh, but I'm a father every day. But being divorced, I get my kids three days a week. So that leaves two off kid days. Mm-hmm. My stepdaughters are here all the time except for every other weekend. So I have my date weekends with my wife who is 10 years younger than I am. So, um, (laughs) so I have, I and her 
I plan our weekends alone. Okay. So there's that. So again, it's not every single day. You know, I don't fill up my 24 hours and then try to sleep, you know, 10 minute breaks. No, right. you, you take your, you, I'm very, I'm OCD, um, which Ivan sometimes hates, but likes a lot. Mm. So I have, <coughs> I have a schedule, I have a calendar. Um, and if it's not on my calendar, I'll try to squeeze you in mm. um, type thing um, for other things like that. My, my Bible studies um, every Wednesday night. Um, so I listen to sermons, podcasts, again, while I'm driving. So I try to, I try to be very productive on my time. I know we're not, God didn't really design us to truly multitask, but you can drive and listen. You know, that's one of those things that you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, like walking down the street and chewing bubble gum. You can do that. Yeah. Some people can't. I've seen it. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but you can, it's just being smart. It's being productive. It's, it's not, I don't allow, um, I have actually have two, one phrase, but two mentalities that are off limits at my house. Mm-hmm. My wife's fully on board with it. It's, that's not fair. Is a bullshit statement. Mm-hmm. And any type of procrastination. Mm-hmm. That's it. So we try to be productive in our, our vertical awake time. Mm-hmm. You also mentioned in, uh, in one of your tweets that you, uh, you kicked your wife out of your out of your oh. room for your girlfriend. I was I wondered if you could unpack that. I did. I did. Somebody jumped on that one freaking hard. Got all real butt hurt. Um, <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> I know. So my wife. So I'm, and I, I think I once said it one time, but I'll say it here too. I am a sexist, but not the negative sexist. Just like violence, or good violence, or bad violence. There's good sexism and there's bad sexism. Mm-hmm. I'm for the good one. There's certain things I, Swift. Don't think women should do, mm-hmm. should have to do, or I'll say it can do. Mm-hmm. The my biblical worldview, my study of it, type thing. Yes, women can handle money. Yes, women can make decisions. Yes, whatever. But if you have a husband, I mean, widows kind of suck unless you got sons. But there are certain things that my wife does not should not and i won't allow her to put that stress of responsibility on her plate because it would take away from her being having joy in her day it would stress her out um and then um if she is stressed and she fills up her day with worry for something that's really not on her plate then she can't Again, find her joy in the day, and then it would take away from her responsibility as a wife in our house. Mm-hmm. So when she, we were laying in bed, and then we were talking in the morning, and she was trying to take things off my plate that I can shoulder. Um, she started. She started. I, I felt the energy start being um, the hamster on the wheel, hundred mile an hour type thing. Mm-hmm. And I go, you know what? Get out of bed. She's like, what do you mean? I'll get out of bed. I need my girlfriend back in bed. <laughs> no, that's, that's my stuff. That's my burdens to bear. That's my responsibility to handle, to figure this out, to, you know, to go pay, make sure this bill and that bill, and this is all paid for. That's mine, <laughs> not yours, mine. And then she, she got it and she's like, okay. So, so again, so that's when I say that, because again, and it's the same thing, you know, wives are our partners, wives are our, our 
better half or or type thing um or Ezra Kendego, if you want to go Hebrew, mm-hmm. help meet. Um, but there are certain things that she doesn't have to to burden herself with because it's ours. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but a girlfriend, you know, a girlfriend's like, oh, I'm just here for the ride type thing for for the the honeymoon phase part of it. Mm-hmm. So she she got it pretty quick and it was pretty funny for us. It was hilarious. So I tweeted it out. Of course, some guy gets all butt hurt. And sure, you did, bro. Yeah, exactly. Relax. You know what? You don't call me bro unless you know me. <laughs> you don't call me bro unless we've shed blood you know you don't get to call me bro until we've done certain things at a certain friend level so i'm not i'm not sure that you're the sort of guy that i would be talking shit to on Twitter anyway. <laughs> he didn't know it doesn't matter because he was didn't really take my breath either so yeah exactly well you know i like the way that you you frame that like obviously your wife can do these things she's capable of doing them what a blessing to her to say no i don't want you to have to worry about them because there are other things that that you're better at or i want you to have the ability to experience joy and let me shoulder the burden while you go experience joy like what right. a blessing and i think that's something there's something very masculine about that and say you know i i experience joy as a man by taking on responsibility by shouldering it by overcoming it you know and and, and even physiologically we get that hit of testosterone when we get a you know a victory oh, you know yeah. i don't know that it actually works the same way for women you know I'm, i can't say i'm not one but i think that right. there's something masculine in saying like i'll take that on i'll i'll fight that battle and please Please just relax and enjoy your day and just be glorious and beautiful. Like what a blessing. Right. And our oh, society has lost that completely, I think. It, uh, I know my daughter, again, she's 13 and she gets, she gets so flustered. And I know it's not her. It's a lot of um, indoctrinization from the schools. She's like, dad, you're a sexist. I'm like, yes, I am. And she gets all mad. I go, you know what? You know, go poopy scoop for the dog she's like no i go why not she's like well, that's a boy's job i go oh now you're sexist oh i see i see how it is so yeah or 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 some you know the girl's hair clogged the sink i'm <laughs> like hey go clean the sink she's like no that's gross i'm like you want it equal there you go exactly it ain't my hair clogging the sink yeah i know <laughs> me too <laughs> so yeah so 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 I, I try to help my daughter softly but then when she pushes back, I get a little, you know, I'll, I'll raise it up a little higher um, mm-hmm. to a certain thing. Again, she's 13, so I, I can't just, I won't say unload, but when I really just let her see the full reality of the whole thing, um, she, she couldn't handle that. But she can handle those little things where I'm like, oh, go, go do this or help me clean the sink or, you know, whatever else type mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. One thing that I, that people don't really think about is like, imagine you're lying in bed with your wife or girlfriend in the middle of the night upstairs, house is empty, just the two of you. And downstairs, you hear this crash, you know, right. who's getting up to go investigate that? You know, right. always the man getting up to go investigate that, period. Yep. And, and oh, yeah. no one would want to be with a man who'd be like, no, babe, it's equal. You're like, you go do it. You know, yeah. and, and how many women would be like, I got this, babe. And how many men would want to be with that woman anyway? So we talk about right. equal and I get it, you know, uh, but certainly there are times and there are many circumstances that we can all point to in everyday life where it's like, no, it's actually not equal. We want to pretend that it's equal for sure. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. you know, there, I don't see a whole line of women lining up to be, you know, oil rig workers, you know, and that's no. kind of, oil is kind of important, you know, and I don't, yeah. I don't think that they should, you know, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't want them to for, for, uh, for a variety of reasons, but we lose right. sight of that in our comfortable world, world on Twitter and Facebook and social. Oh, I know, I know. I've got a friend, he's a former, um, um, professional, uh, uh, what was it? MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. His, his girlfriend, well now wife, She's also a professional fighter as well. 
And they actually had that happen because they live in Denver. And somebody broke into their house. And of course, she was like, you go check. He's like, okay, I'm on this type thing. So again, I mean, she's, she's deadly in her own right. Um, but again, the, the, the percentage of, of female fighters is so small to just population. Um, it's, that's a really skewed deal. But it, it, it's, a, it's a great example, though, because I mean, she's deadly and he's deadly. But who broke in? He went and checked. You know, she stayed there. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Well, even around the campfire for, for thousands of years, you know, when you're when the whole tribe was sitting around the campfire and they hear some sort of grumbling in the bushes, it's the men who are going out there, you know, and the men who are not coming back. And I, you know, forgive me, but that's the way it should be, right? Oh yeah, because oh, we yeah. we derive a sense of pleasure out of that. I guess you might say. I don't oh, know. Oh. oh yeah, no, and I, and I know some real deadly females too. Mm-hmm. Um, they work for another country's secret area things and um but i mean but they're to the point where they're not they don't overcompensate they also don't have their ego their ego's checked sure um and they know they they know they have to be fast because if if even if a a, a kind of an amateur you know guy gets one good solid hit they're done mm-hmm. they fully know that so there's uh, i watch those those fight videos on twitter and and and, and youtube and stuff like that where those girls or get too big for their britches and they get knocked the fuck out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but again, the women I know who are truly deadly, they fully know, they know the reality of it, that they have to avoid getting hit uh, mm-hmm. because I know guys, and they'll tell you, they're like, guys are stronger than us. Mm-hmm. It's flat out. Mm-hmm. So they have to cheat. Again, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying to win. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's reality in violence and use of force, whatever else to me is so much simpler than all the drama of, of normal life. Uh, what people, what Americans would call normal life. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, Cause I consult with some guys in Mexico and stuff like that. So the reality of their, their reality is really skewed from here, you know, kidnappings and beatings and mutilations and just, shallow graves mass shallow graves and that type of stuff so yeah americans we have it pretty fucking good and everyone bitches about how good it is and it just it cracks me up then i get irritated by it oh for sure yeah because you guys really have no idea you know what really could happen if leadership really gets corrupt oh my god yeah well, I've been to about 35 countries around the world. I haven't been to Mexico. But I've been to India. And yeah. that's what corruption looks like. Oh, yeah. There's a, there, there's a, so India's and, um, oh, crap, where's that at over there? Yeah, no, India. Their, their corruption level is pretty close the way it is um, with like um, central and southern Mexico. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Northern Mexico is a whole different story. You got border towns. That just gets really convoluted fast. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, there's no, in, in, in India, I didn't see any, any guns. No, you won't. There's no drug trade through there, really. Well, in, uh, in the Sikh part of town, in Punjab, they're really into mm-hmm. their guns, but that's a different sort of culture over there. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, from traveling so many places around the world, from rich, rich countries into poor countries, and then coming back to the United States, like, you guys have no idea. You have no I know. Idea. Yeah. I know. And, and there was a, there was a, um, there was an art, a famous travel article that was written years ago. It was like, tra- why traveled made me a liberal Democrat. And, oh. I, and I was like, and I was like, oh, okay. So you went to, uh, so you went to Europe. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anywhere else, I don't think the travel will have the same effect. 
Yeah, no kidding. I was still a paramedic before I became a full-time cop. Uh, I did um, the medical trips to Haiti after two hurricanes. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, firsthand. Well, one of the things that I often think about and that you seem really familiar with is we've lost touch with how primarily physical the world is. The world is primarily physical and we live in our heads with all the information technology now. But there's something that violence is purely physical. I mean, that's the most one of the most physical things you could possibly have, but you kind of live in that world. So you have kind of a different understanding. So just speak about how you're, you're walking around life different from the people and maybe in your community or even in your family in some ways. Um, so with the understanding, um, acceptance, and knowledge of what possibly could go wrong at any moment in time mm -hmm. is, again, you know, some of my, my close friends call me freaking nature. To me, it's, it's liberating. Mm -hmm. um, there's no, I don't want to say it's purely black and white. My gray zone's pretty big too. Um, but I guess the... The way I got here, or the way I got in my this mindset, was pretty much um, kind of like um, uh, when I did a lot of study of Sun Tzu and uh, Musashi, you know, know your enemy type thing. So if I wanted to know my enemy, um, I wanted to be a good guy. I want to wear a badge. I want to do this. I want to help, you know, paramedic. I want to be, you know, help with medicine. The best way, <coughs> excuse me, to combat that is to beat my adversary in the OODA loop. Well, to do that, I need to know where they're going to start. So then my started thinking about, well, if I wanted to be a bad guy, what would I do? Mm -hmm. you know, how would I screw up this community or how would I screw up this person or how would I, you know, do this type of stuff? Um, so that's how I, how I started to get there. And then it's then just allowing, allowing the creativity to really uh, explode on certain things. Um, but then again, sometimes the best way is just hit the damn nail with the hammer. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're going to attack somebody and they're really not, you know, they got their head up their butt on the phone or they're just are oblivious to everything in the world, how's the best way to rob them or, you know, kill them or, um, you know, just push them down and again, different varying levels, um, which helped me, start beating the real bad guys in the OODA loop ahead of time. So really catching them prior to, or when you are in the wild and you see a predator and you let them know you see them for what they are, mm -hmm. they stop. Because mm -hmm. predators like that don't want to get caught. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if they're seen, Human. they won't act. Yeah. Uh -huh. And same for humans. Um, so that's one way I started doing that. So when we walk around, um, my wife and I were starting dating. Um, I like to people watch. That's cool. It's fun. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, you know, my other friend, Jack Murphy, him and his wife or girlfriend would do the the video deal. You know, are they fucking type thing? It's, it was hilarious. Mm -hmm. um, so they, um, so my wife and I, my girlfriend at the time, we would start people watching and I'm like, hey, what do you think, you know, this person's, life is like or you know what's you know are they capable of violence do you see a knife do you see you know <clears throat> and then i started training her how to spot concealed weapons concealed firearms type stuff when people walk in 
in the mall or, you know, on the plazas or wherever we go. And she's pretty damn good now. Mm-hmm. Um, and my kids are getting there too. And they'll, they'll, they'll whisper. They, they, sometimes they don't whisper. They think they're whispering. They're not. And the person with the gun be like, you know, it, it's, it's hilarious. Cause they're like, and then they look over and be like, you need to go back and get a new holster, you know, type thing. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're, you're shit showing, but I concealed. Yeah. So, um, so walking around the rest of the world or out in the world, um, you see things and you take note. Um, there's a book I highly recommend for people who want to learn or, or um, get more prepared in situational awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book's Left of Bang. Um, do I have one right here? I think it's in my other library. I'll be sure to include that. I'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Left of Bang. Um, actually, it's what we teach the Marine Corps. Um, and we've been teaching the Marine Corps before they go um, across um, the pond to the sandbox. Um, how, so it's not racial profiling. It's not personal profiling. It's, it's area profiling. Mm-hmm. What's, what's not, what stands out, what's different, what doesn't go culturally, what doesn't go societally type thing. Um, you know, certain things are doing whatever else. There might be IED over here. Um, you know, oh, there's an influx of, of um, elders. So I guess a meeting's coming up type thing. So it's, it's, it's good. It's solid. And it actually works here in America too. Mm-hmm. How does it uh, work here in America? Yeah. So I'll, uh, yeah, once I find it, uh, I think it's Van Horn was the author. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, can, I, I think it's in my, my library. How do those, um, those techniques work here, work here in America? They do. Okay. They do. So I've been, I've been bridging them across into law enforcement for the last, I don't know, 10 years, I guess, um, for people who work certain areas um, to, to really start taking note of the atmosphere, the taste of a, an environment or a location. Um, so if something's off, you can look a little closer. You know, if everything feels normal, ask if it go on mm-hmm. type stuff. Teaching men to sort of have visual awareness of what's going on, but also in situational, but also a sense of intuition as well. Like perceiving your, don't be so comfortable in the mall. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, mm-hmm. no. Um, the color code condition levels, um, I don't know where, I don't know where I'm at anymore. Um, I'm just always vigilant, but not to the point where I stress out. Um, cause my, my journey with PTSD will probably never be over. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's, it's, it's calmed down so much so that I, I went and got certified in, um, critical incident stress debriefing for individuals and groups mm-hmm. so I can help younger cops, um, and vets who come back type stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Is this your PTSD from from your time in law enforcement and the swap? Both, both. Is all of it actually. Is it something you're willing to to talk about a little bit? Sure, sure. Yeah, I don't mind. I'm an open book. I don't really mind. Um, so PTSD, and I think the APA is starting to trying to switch it over from um, uh, D to an I, so a uh, post traumatic stress injury. So mm-hmm. insurance will cover treatment better often. Mm-hmm. Um, a good close friend of mine, Jeremy Fox, his EMDR stuff is great. Yeah, I've done EMDSD. Oh, yeah. So if anybody's got PTSD, seek out somebody, a practitioner that will accept your insurance who does EMDR. Justin Fox. will help you get through those. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, so um, law enforcement or paramedic prior to all that, um, you know, death here and there all over the place. 
Um, mass casualty incidents, um, being very young, 21, and having to decide who gets a black tag and who gets a red tag and who gets a yellow tag during a mass casualty incident. Black tag means they're so far gone, it can't save them, don't waste your time. Mm-hmm. Um, red means they can live, but they need treatment right then and there. You know, yellow means, hey, that's a survivable wound. They just got to deal with some pain for a while mm-hmm. until we can get them there. Um, so that's hard. That was very hard, um, yeah. 21. And then going forward, um, law enforcement, you know, child abuse, um, just all the, you know, 90% of law enforcement's job is dealing with the uh, eight to 10% of the population. That's just shit shows. Yeah. So at all the time is, yeah. Um, most time, even society doesn't even want to acknowledge that they're around. Mm-hmm. Um, cause even in the homeless, um, communities or society under society, they have everything from besides mental health to the drug addiction, alcohol addictions, and everything else that everyone else experiences too. The drama, um, which is a lot of the the payphone or uh, yeah payphones, nine one one calls, um, is pretty much just the drama. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to help people um, and deal with that. So that's six to you. Um, and then the normal, I say normal, the um, high calls that everyone wants to talk about. Oh yeah, the rapes, the murders, the bombings, the arson, the whatever else. And they're few and far between. And yeah, they make good stories. They either make good podcasts or the the true crime podcast deals. Um, but that's not really what wears cops down. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's stuff that happens to kids. It's the normal, um, you know, shift killer calls, the suicides, the um, or the mental health problems and calls it's just that's what wears cops down mm-hmm. the most and at the end of your at the end of your time in the in law enforcement you're sort of left with being you know these really high impact singular kind of events the mass casualty events that thankfully we don't hear too much about or that don't happen too often but you also have 20 years of accumulated stress of looking at the real horrors of the of the dark world you know oh, yeah you got that and then you got the shift work on top of that and then all the um, then the extra drama inside law enforcement, mm-hmm. um, shift work is a killer. I mean, just a, just a damn cortisol buildup of just doing 12 hour shifts forever, um, is deadly in itself. I mean, I've, I've had some older mentor types retire just to die with a fucking heart attack less than a year after retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, cause they were finally able to not have to go back to work, but then that cortisol and the stress and the the unknown cardiovascular diseases that they didn't know that they had caught up with them um ignoring while they for work that they had to ignore for work exactly exactly i'm a and and most of the admin guys that i know hate me when i'm like law enforcement needs to be eight hour shifts no more Mm -hmm. um and they're like well logistically i I don't give a shit about the logistics Mm-hmm. Okay, you're killing your cops. You're killing your people who are actually w- willing to work and deal with this shit. Mm-hmm. You know, do eight-hour shifts. Let people fucking sleep. And this mandatory training on your days off that can go pound sand too, because um, you know your days off. Let it be a day off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just law enforcement. A lot of other industries and jobs and professions, people get that way. That worker holic um, deal. Mm-hmm. They can't really. They can't rest. They can't relax. I know. So I know a preacher who. Uh, he can never turn it off. And I'm like, you need, you know what? You, 
quit, quit. Mm-hmm. You know, shit, you, you've missed your one kid growing up. Go be a dad, go be a grandpa now. <laughs> I think you're touching on a bunch of subjects that are, are really difficult for our society to talk about, which is really the toll that a lot of the, the jobs that are fundamental to making our civilization go that are indiv- invisible, the oh, yeah. toll that it takes on the men, and they're almost exclusively men who do these jobs. So I think of, you know, police, firefighters, you know, EMTs, but then you think of the oil rig workers and the factory yeah. manufacturers and the miners and the underwater welders. And, you know, this is, this is, this toll is taken in men's bodies and their health. And the, the men are willing to take this on. Like we can't, right. but, but the, but the stresses that are put on them that don't necessarily have to be there right. are claiming lives. Oh yeah. Every single freaking day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause again, you start doing it and you start getting that flippant, um, camaraderie crap like oh you know you're a sissy you need a day off or you know oh you can't hack this job you know fuck you i need a day off Mm -hmm. type stuff how do you i mean you've encountered that how do you how do you push back on that how do you push back on that tendency for men who don't want to show weakness to each other you know to be like no actually like i'm a human being and i I need a break like i'm not checking out out of weakness like i'm checking out because i'm still a human being Uh, oh yeah yeah. i've I've got it i've actually experienced it and my my response really shook my whole agency pretty hard too. Um, Cause I'm like, no, I'm, I got my, my time's off my time off. You know, I'm not coming in, you know, I'm not on call. I'm not coming in for fucking training type deal. And it was, Oh, so you can't handle this job. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I can't handle this job. You know, this is easy. I go, but are you going to be there for me when I retire? You know, you don't come home with me. You don't tuck me in bed. You don't take care of me when I'm sick. No, she does. So I'm going home and that's who I protect from this place. Mm. And I was like, that made a lot of ruffle feathers and I don't really care again. Um, which goes back to the ethics thing. You know, do you, do you, do you flip and snitch on a cop? If you're fucking up? Yes. In a fucking heartbeat. Okay. Yeah. If you fucked up, yeah, I will turn you in hell. You know, I'll arrest you myself. Mm -hmm. Um, because again, you know, you're not, if, if I know about it and I don't say it, I'm just as culpable. I'm just as responsible. And I'm just as liable. You know, I've got kids to pay, take care of and pay for. I've got grandkids. Eventually someday I want to be here. I don't want to be behind bars. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not paying my bills. You're not paying my mortgage. You're not paying my, my kids bills. No. So you fuck up. I'll arrest you. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a topic that's been, I think, swimming around in all the things that we've been, we've been discussing, which is this notion of honor. You can shoulder all these responsibilities of being a man of holistic masculinity, of you know faith and all and fatherhood and 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 professionalism, and yet there's still this notion of honor that that exists between men and exists within men as well. And I think you right. just hit the nail on the head with it. Oh yeah, yeah. My family, it, again, in in combat and war is different. My family's at home. Mm-hmm. I'm here fighting to protect them, their futures, and that type of stuff. But at home and job stuff. Man, it's 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 God, marriage, family, career, mm-hmm. in that order. Mm-hmm. And I separate marriage and family on purpose. You have to. So, yeah, most people don't. I mean, a lot of people go, "Oh, my family eats my wife and my kids." Your wife doesn't want to be the mother forever. You know, eventually, at some point, those kids are going to be gone. It's just you two. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have to you have to make sure she knows that you have it separated. Oh yeah, I mean, there's the there's your responsibilities as parents, but then there's there's your responsibility as partners and lovers. 
Oh yeah. If you let that, if you let that wither, everything suffers around it in, in your right. life and, and your partner's life, right? Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah. So yeah. So the honor part's always there. <coughs> Excuse me. It's important, um, but also some some people will pervert the honor thing to neglect um, other responsibilities on purpose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, it, and that's sort of one of the subjects that exists in in the cultural conversation right now is around police and police misbehavior, which is a thing. Oh yeah. And what are what are police what are individual police officers' responsibility to you know be honorable and turn in you know uh, poorly performing cops like that guy Derek Derek Chauvin and and yep. Wisconsin was a was a, I forget what state it was Minnesota I think it was Wisconsin. Uh, yeah. So, but he was, I mean, his, his record was horrible. Like why was that oh, guy yeah. on the force? You know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. What I think, and I'm expecting, and I'm going to be set. I don't eat popcorn. So I'm going to have to find something else to set and watch when this happens is when the, um, cause in the state of Colorado, they've already removed um, qualified immunity for law enforcement officers alone. Oh, wow. Exactly. And I've, I've, I've watched a bunch of departments lose a lot of people. Um, a lot of it's uneducated. A lot of it's uninformed. Um, there's they left certain stipulations in there, so you can't just sue a cop and take you know all their shit. They got to meet certain criteria. Mm-hmm. But what I'm expecting in the next, I want to say maybe five years, mm-hmm. is for this for the the good cops who stay and uh, weather this little storm to start turning around and start hunting the corrupt politicians. Mm, say more about skipping. It's coming. What do you mean hunting the corrupt politicians out? You don't mean like night vision and scopes, right? No. Oh, no, no. Well, <laughs> you never know if they start running and trying to hide <laughs> again. Because yeah. um, they're not, they're, only governors are, are allowed the um, state police protection, bodyguard stuff, kind of like Secret Service for our president. Mm-hmm. Um, but corrupt politicians, once it starts coming out, you know, um, oh, I see. They started, or, you know, four years ago, they started saying drain the swamp, drain the swamp. And they've been doing it slowly here and theirs. But with all this defund the cop stuff, defund the military, defund this, defund that, mm-hmm. of the our essential protectors in society, there's going to be a breaking point where they're going to go, who keeps trying to take our money to protect citizens? Because the citizens are going to start going, hey, you're our protector. Go defend. You have our, you know, our King's X, our democratic x go get rid of those problem people in power or mm-hmm. you know supposed power and it's going to happen mm-hmm. oh for sure for oh sure. yeah and I, i'm just gonna I, I am i'm gonna sit and i'm gonna drink my my rum and i'm gonna laugh mm-hmm. i'm gonna laugh of course i mean the, i think the, the, the drain the swamp is happening at different levels there's the there's the, the administrative level at the highest levels of government but there's a greater awareness of the corruption that exists uniquely in the ways that it does in American society more than ever. It's like, what is, oh, yeah. what is going on? These people that we elected, you know, to serve us, and now they've appointed themselves rulers with, and, and claim these extraordinary powers that they've been wielding for the past seven months. Like, nope, we just need a couple more weeks. Yeah, meanwhile, oh, yeah. 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 And, then, and the way it was working was a certain higher level federal agency. But I'm talking about they're going to start coming from the bottom, local cops, up again, and they're going to meet in the middle. When that happens, there's nowhere else for those those corrupt officials to go. Mm-hmm. They can't go up. They can't come down. They're going to be stuck. It's almost like cornering a coward. But again, they don't have any fight in them, physical fight in them. So it'll be hilarious. No, they have no honor either, which, which, Oh no, of course not. 
So this comes all the way back around to the notion of the individual man and his capacity for violence, because if the police are being defunded and if uh, society is, you know, has decided that we're uh, hopefully not, not, not all of it, but decided that, well, we're in chaos will just be the result. Like, where does that leave the individual man now? Probably in your care, right? In some way. Probably, hopefully, yeah. Um, I've got all kinds of trainings for that. Uh, but the quick deal is understand and know your laws of self-defense, your castle doctrine, and your stand my ground laws, if you have it in your jurisdiction. Know it, know it cold. Um, there are some organizations out there that um, will try to milk money out of you, but then there are some that will just tell you that, that God's honest truth. This is, if this situation happens, this is what you can and can't do type thing. Um, there's the insurance for concealed carry people. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it, but, um, you know, to each their own, if you need that help, but they want, do you want there to help you and go get it. Uh, but really know the law, know it cold, be able to recite it and apply it to different situations for you, your family, uh, like where you go to work uh, type stuff. Um, and then be very proficient uh, with your tool of choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Do you, have, do you have time for a couple more questions? I know you betcha. Were... No, no, go ahead. Oh, okay, cool. Well, uh, you know, I just got my concealed carry license, which you know, was a good process. Very, very educational process, especially around, you know, the, the difference uh, dead, deadly force and don't ever do dead, use deadly force to protect property and, and what that looks like in terms of, you know, how do you, how do you protect yourself, not just physically, but understand that if you engage in this act, it's the law, the legal process that is just as that is just as if not more difficult. So you know you don't want to stay out of a deadly force incident just for the act itself. But even setting that aside, right. if you get into if you get into a legal process, even that can be hundreds of thousands of dollars and several years. And so that was a real sobering. The room went real quiet. The room was absolutely packed in here. You know, oh, yeah. in my, my hometown and in, in the and maybe there were a hundred people in the room. And the whole place went dead silent. There wasn't a chair empty. You know, in the whole. Oh place. yeah. No. And, and I actually did sign up for the insurance just because it seemed like a good idea, but it sounds like something that I don't anticipate being in a deadly force incident, you know, but right. I'm not going looking for it either. However, you know, at the time, chaos was reigning in the streets, maybe not here where I live, but in other places. So it seemed like a good idea. I want oh, yeah. to speak more about, I guess, about all of that. So the best way to CYA, um, again, it's don't, do not rely on your camera for its video um, capabilities mm-hmm. don't because you have to call for help so and then the video is shut off when you turn the phone part on blah 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 <coughs> excuse me my allergies are kicking my butt this week um those pin cameras mm-hmm. okay you know the ones that record up to 10 hours um high def whatever i think they're like 40 bucks nowadays mm-hmm. um i i tell people when i teach those classes to go get one of those pin cameras you know, get one for you, your wife, um, as well. Because if something were to happen, all you do is reach up and click that pin thing. Um, you know, you can wear it on your, in your, in the sleeve of your shirt or the pocket, Mm -hmm. you know, you turn it on from the moment you think something's about to happen, turn it on ahead of time, you know, or, you know, even while you're just walking down the street, you're not sure, turn it on. Mm -hmm. You can always record over it or delete it. It's not that big a deal because, you know, like the Boy Scout thing or the, you know, the um, simple apparatus, always be prepared. Because mm-hmm. um, you can always delete it. And then because you'd rather have it and then not need it than uh, wish you had it and you didn't have it. Mm-hmm. Because most of the um, use of force 
Um, so in the state of Colorado, it's it's eighteen seven oh four point five Colorado state law. It's never supposedly you're not judged in hindsight. Juries are people. People screw up. They look in hindsight because defense attorneys or flip it around, DAs are going for um, their statistics because they want to hire political office later. So you got to cover your ass. Mm -hmm. Um, Most people don't want to admit that. That's the truth. So um, with that said, you got to protect yourself. So get the pin camera. Um, You know, if you're outside of your home, outside of your car, or even inside your car, depending on how you're driving, where you drive, leave the damn camera on. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, nothing happened, delete. Um, If something were to happen, you have what you, it it records, and then you can articulate what you were perceiving that led up to your choice to draw your sidearm and discharge it in defense of yourself or defense of a third party. So then it makes the homicide unit or um, the detectives their job a little bit easier, again, because you're always um, helpful for, for law enforcement, but you also have to still cover your ass. So you have your recording, audio, video, and then your statement. And when that's combined, it should help paint the entire picture clearly to help um, save yourself. Again, so in Colorado, if you use uh, deadly force to defense of yourself or a third or a third party, you're no longer criminally or civilly liable. But if something's a little off, that's when the detectives or the homicide unit look harder. Um, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying it might be a good thing. It might be a bad thing. Um, but again, that's why I say know the law, know it cold, know how to apply it to many situations, and then also be very proficient with your chosen tool. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it might not be a, a sidearm. It might be a, a little baton or a knife or who knows what, a coup baton uh, type thing um, or just an impact weapon. Mm-hmm. Or in Texas, a sword. <laughs> You can open. You can open carry a sword in Texas. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah, that happened. I want to say two or two or three years ago. I know Tanner uh, Tanner Gazahu mentioned he had a whole conversation about open carry on his on his Twitter on his Twitter feed. Yeah, and and he sent an email about it as well, and that was sort of how men used to open carry. I mean, obviously, open carrying with a sword is quite a bit different from open carrying with a gun. Right. With the same kind of spirit, like, well, what if we returned to like a martial society? Like, how what would that what would that look like? Yeah. Honestly, personally, I would never open carry. I mean, I I open carry as a cop because you have to. It's part of the uniform. It's how we're lying. It's and that's and that's not actually not just for um, tactical reasons. It's for a command presence. Of course. <clears throat> but no, open carry because God only gives two eyes and a sword. Mm-hmm. If you open carry, everybody from 180 degrees can see your gun. That's right. That's right. And you don't want to you gray man or whatever. You don't want to draw attention. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Well, when I, I, you know, I purchased a firearm this summer. It was the first time I'd ever, I'd ever owned one. And for a time, for a brief time, I thought about open carrying, but I didn't really think anything. I didn't think I didn't, right. didn't really think it through. And then, then once I started thinking it through, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm really glad I didn't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 
Okay. No, so I don't, I don't recommend open carry. A lot of people do, you know, good on them. Um, I don't do the stickers, the bumper stickers, the car stickers or whatever else. I don't do that. Again, I don't like to draw undue unwanted attention. Mm -hmm. Oh no. I mean, that's, that's, you know, you have to be prepared, but you don't have to be advertising. Oh no. Yeah, no. And it makes it easy. Again, like I said earlier, you know, I, I think of being the bad guy, like my, well, so people open carry, I'm like, okay, I know the holster. I can take that gun out of their holster and they won't even know it. Um, you know, you got stickers on your car. There's either guns or ammo in the car because most people will do the stickers. They won't leave a gun in the car because they're like, oh, I'm just being responsible. But no, they leave extra magazines, extra guns, extra ammo, extra knives. You know, the preppers, you know, I, I'm going to get some food. I'm going to get a radio type stuff. There might not be a gun, but there'll be extra stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't want to be drawing attention to your political beliefs with your car or any, any sort of beliefs. Like, why would you, why would you do that? You know? Right. Yeah. So again, but yeah, it's just, that's the way I think, um, you know, how would I, how would I take advantage of the situation? How would I take advantage of that person? Not to say I'm, I would, um, just, and then so that way I can, I can coach or help or advise better. Yeah. Well, when nine 11 happened, I remember sitting, you know, in front of the TV that day and trying to figure out in my head, like, you know, how did the, you know, just going through with the narrative that was on the TV at the time, right. how would they have pulled this off? You know, just, it was really interesting thought exercise for me. Like, well, how would I coordinate such a thing? You know, because you have to understand the mindset because it helps understand the reasoning and all that. But uh, when I would tell other people about it, like, dude, what's wrong with you? Like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. I can think about these things. Like, I'm not going to go do it, you know, but uh, right. to figure it out is really important. It keeps oh, yeah. you safe, right? Oh yeah. It keeps you very safe. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, so um, what sort of coaching and what sort of programs do you offer for people who uh, who come and, and seek out your wisdom? All right. Um, so I, I, I personally, I don't like the term coach or coaching, mm -hmm. um, but, it, but it's, it's just the easiest to explain it. Sure, of course. Um, I call it, it's really, when somebody reaches out to me, I had somebody reach out to me last year. Um, so I, you know, created a little package for him. And it went really worked really well for him. He's actually going to come see me, I think, in January, February. Mm -hmm. So he's going to come to Denver. We're going to stay, and he's going to hang out. We're going to play. Um, but it's, it's to me, it's it's real. It's it's mentorship. I mean, because you're a guy, whether it be younger or older, it doesn't really matter. But a guy uh, is coming to me for um, either advice or um, guidance or some some type. And it's really it's just mentorship. Mm -hmm. so, and it could be from anything from life. Um, mindset again for the um, they're up in their game, they're up in their low leveling up or whatever you want to call it. Um, mindset wise, you know, understanding violence. You know, um, some guy, one guy I had, um, he I want to say he was boastful, but he's like, if I lose my temper, then you know, bad things are going to happen. Mm. So <clears throat> I said, you know, what? come to Denver, come to Denver next next month, stay three days. And and I'll help you. Um, I'm I'm real obscure. Again, um, most people get a little scared by that, but it it's to help. Um, I'm not here to take advantage of anybody. Mm -hmm. um, so he came to Denver, and um, I contacted a friend of mine. I go, hey, I need to borrow your dojo for a day. He's like, okay, sure, fine, or whatever. So he canceled all their class. What did he cancel the class? He just didn't let any classes fill up that day. Mm -hmm. So I had my my um, my mentoree. Um, meet me there and um, I suited him up. I suited me up and he's like, I said, so you get mad, bad things happen to you. So I slapped him. 
Like, are you getting mad? He's just slashed him again. Are you getting mad? And I kicked him in the leg type stuff. He's like, yeah. And he went to burst and it wasn't really anything exciting. Not to say that he couldn't, but he was, he was unfocused. He was un, he was raw. He um, had been told since he was a little kid, don't lose your temper. Don't lose your temper. Don't lose your real boy. You know, little boys control their temper type thing. And he had a lot of stuff going on. The, my point is I helped him realize that it wasn't his temper that was the problem. It was this lie he had accepted and attached to his, his personality that was keeping him unable to grow. Mm-hmm. So and then after that, then we were actually doing some real fight training. But, but at that point, he was able to realize it wasn't his temper. He could let his temper out because again, anger is okay mm-hmm. because we're told, you know, it's okay to be angry. Just don't sin. Mm-hmm. Sure. So with that, uh, with that scripture verse and, and that teaching scenario, he realized that he can focus his anger to allow it to be productive and it's not destructive. Mm-hmm. So that's just one little thing I've done so far. Um, that's, it stood out to me a lot because again, if someone goes, Oh, I, you know, I can hurt anybody, whatever else I, I'm going to call you out on it mm-hmm, for sure. And, it, and again, it's not, it's not to demoralize somebody, but if you're going to call it, then you better be able to back it up. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're asking me, then I know you're wanting growth. You're wanting, you're wanting something that you think I have, and I probably do, but to help you level up or phase up, or grow up or something else um, to a certain point. And then again, I also have somebody else who I'm doing some business coaching with or for uh, business mentorship with his up and coming business to to get him past a certain point he's having trouble with. Um, And he's getting there. Um, And it's just some other normal stuff. Um, Relationship. I'm not a counselor, but just some relationship counseling or mentorship. Biblically as well, mm-hmm. um, him and his fiance. I think they get married December. Um, so it, it with them, and um, it's it's. I'm having fun. I'm having fun um, with men getting to a, a better point, so that they don't need me. Mm-hmm. So that's really what what I want. Kind of like a dad thing. It's, it's just mentorship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> iron sharpens iron, right? Just one more, just just a couple more questions. That lie that that man believed. Can you articulate what that lie was that you that you think that he believed about himself or something? For him, it was he was always told that um, uh, good boys don't lose their temper, that mm-hmm. men don't lose their temper. Mm-hmm. Um, his dad, his dad left um, him and his mom at I think seven years old because his dad lost his temper. Mm-hmm. So he was holding on to the. Um, you know, you can't lose your temper or you won't be good. Um, and if you lose your temper, then you're not a man. Um, if he loses his temper, you know, people will leave him type thing. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was an attachment um, that he was having trouble with because it really was his world for so long. Um, he had a lot of resentment. He had a lot of built up anger because, again, he was bottling it up. And we're not 
for men to think that they can bottle things up and segregate and separate and put things in little nice little boxes is, is, is another lie that a lot of people believe that it's real. And we're not. That's not the way we're made. That's not the way we're created. We're a holistic being. We're a holistic thing. You know, we're, um, if that were the case, then Jesus would not have cried. Um, if that were the case, then Jesus would have fully accepted um, the, the, his path of dying on the cross. But no, he, he asked God, you know, I don't really want this, but if this is really what has to happen. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's not balling something up. That, that's accepting the entire whole picture. Um, so that's, and again, that's just my perspective and my thoughts that men, um, and I've dealt with my own stuff too. I'm not, I'm far from perfect. Oh shit. But, um, you know, I used to compartmentalize, um, and it, it's one of, it's one of the things that, that ate me up a long time. You know, I, I hid in a bottle for a while too. Um, but getting past that fully realizing, accepting that we're holistic. So, you know, I, I, I take the bad with the good. I take the, um, the sorrow with the, the laugh. Um, it's, we're, we're just one being created in God's image. This sounds like holistic masculinity to me. <laughs> yeah, it is. Where can people go to learn more about you and what you do? So I have been restructuring things. I let go of my landing page. Uh, I still have a um, email list, but right now I am working on sliding everything over um, under Throne Dynamics, mm-hmm. um, under my my good close friend Ivan Throne. Um, and uh, um, see the best way. What is my Twitter handle? Victorian Swift. Yeah, I don't even know my own handles. <laughs> it just works. The thing just does. Yeah. Yeah, Praetorian Swift, you can find me. Um, my handle is, yeah, at Praetorian Swift. If you don't look it up, just look up Praetorian Guard for the Romans. Um, under Instagram, I am, what is it, Mr. Underscore SWFT. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's it. That's the Instagram one. And then I'm redoing my YouTube channel. Oh, great. So you're going to be doing like videos, instructional videos. Doing some videos. And then I am in the, um, Again, since schools and everything else, my I haven't released my first two podcasts, but I am slowly building that library. So I'm going to start dropping some um, podcasts in once a week. Um, and it, I'm, I'm, I'm calling it Swift's Garden Club. <laughs> can you unpack that name? I can. I can. So with everybody on Twitter, with every, all the other men groups, um, you know, brotherhoods and the war rooms. And again, I, I haven't met the Tate brothers yet. I will eventually, um, what else, but it was kind of a play on that a little bit. Um, the other self-help men's groups like in California and where else they all talk of, of war warriors and Spartans and blah, 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 blah. But then I, I, I get into them and no one talks about war. No one talks about death. No one talks about blood. No one talks about what else. So I'm like, I'm having a garden club. Mm-hmm. And, then- <laughs> <laughs> and then the flower I picked for my logo uh, is a Japanese orchid, the death orchid. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. So that's coming soon-ish. Um, probably next month, probably. I know it's November now, isn't it? So yeah. So probably this month, I'll uh, start dropping that and loading that up to... Um, uh, it was at anchor.fm or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. There's so many more questions. I wanted to get into poetry and classics. And 
But we'll just have to save that for our next time. We'll do, we'll do it again. We'll do it again. Let's do it again. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. And good luck with your final exams during this week. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance of Men podcast. Visit us on the web at renofmen.com or on your favorite social media platform at Ren of Men. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance.